Hello, welcome to episode 11 of HR Unplugged. Today, we have a special guest host joining us, Amy Frampton, Head of Marketing at Bamboo HR. We're going to talk about how to develop meaningful growth opportunities for employees and improve retention. We're also going to get into how we use data and how we talk about retention. This is a popular topic, so let's get right into it. Welcome back. We are here, HR Unplugged. Super glad to be here for episode 11. And also, just please subscribe. We're now on Apple. We're on Spotify. So please subscribe there and jump into our Slack community where you can ask questions early. You can help us craft our content. And most importantly, you can connect with one another and solve problems together and continue to grow our community. So today, I'm really excited. We're going to talk about growth opportunities today, how we use data, how we talk about retention, and all of those types of things um, with our growth opportunities today. And we have a very exciting guest here. I'm so excited. My friend and fun work friend, personal friend, Amy Frampton, our head of marketing, who I just love working with every single day. Welcome, Amy Frampton, to HR Unplugged. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I had to kind of get in line. This is the hot show. <laughs> it's only because your team built it and created it. So <laughs> you and your team are the masterminds between behind HR Unplugged, and we're we're so grateful. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Um, it, and for those of you who have been here before, or this is your first time, um, I lead marketing at Bamboo. Lucky enough to work with Anita, and and just excited to have a conversation today about. One of the struggles that I know folks are facing and that we're, you know, think about a lot at Bamboo and, and that's growth opportunities for our employees. And this is, this is a hot topic. So I'm super excited to delve into it with Anita and to hear the feedback of everyone who's attending. We've got um, over 125 people on the call today so far. So um, it'll be a good discussion. And, you know, one of the top reasons people leave their jobs is a lack of career development, professional development not having the growth opportunities. So let's dive right in. Anita, share with us why this matters. And what can you tell us based on your experience? Yeah, so this is interesting. So we always love to start with some data. Get this, only 29% of team members are very satisfied with their current career advancement opportunities available inside their organization. I don't know about you, Amy. I've always called career development the holy grail of like the culture piece, right? Because I don't, have you ever been anywhere that did it really right? Where, have you ever heard a statistic where employees are like, heck yeah, I get to develop here and I love it. Like, where is that statistic? I know I want that. 29% seems so low, but it also resonates, you know, with my experience that that sounds about right. And I've seen companies do it well for one portion of their group, like their most, you know, the high potential folks or a certain team. But across the company is rough. You know, you bring up a good point. I know we're a little off script here, but I'm curious. Do we think it's the role of the organization or the role of the leader to provide growth opportunities or both? I I think it's both. <laughs> um, and I've been thinking about this actively this morning because I got some feedback from my team around what they want to see in 2023. And so I've been very actively thinking about what you and I can go do together about giving yeah. those opportunities and 
Um, and, and how do we do that both for, for my team's marketing specifically, but then what do we do for leaders and for others across the organization? I think it's fascinating. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's all of the above, you know, because I think if I if I apply it to myself, my best learning and development has come from my direct leader. And I've made sure to like um, augment that with other things like other courses or or other, you know, opportunities where I can kind of put them together. But I've always looked at it as my responsibility as the employee, not that the employer will grow me. They might provide opportunities, but it's up to me to grow myself. And I think that's an interesting point here. I don't know how you see it or how your team sees it, but that that always seems to be kind of a, a middle point as I've worked through this in organizations before. Yeah, it's so interesting to think about because you're right. There's some employee you know, there seems to be this sort of, well, I'm only 29% are happy because are they being handed it on a platter or are they stepping up and stepping in to what the possibilities are? Because you can offer all the programs in the world and if people don't participate um, or are into it or aren't really engaged, they're not, they're not going to um, get what they really want out of it. It's true. You know, Eleanor makes a great point here in the chat. She says, I think that there are some employees that don't want development. And then when they are surveyed, they respond to not getting it, but they really didn't want it. That's what's hard. You know, and I'd be curious about other thoughts in the chat. You know, if you think it's the leader's responsibility or the HR team's responsibility, like put in your thoughts there. Because if you do this broad-based learning program, to Eleanor's point, you may be doing it and they don't even want it. And then you're spending a lot of time and effort. You know, it, it's another one of these things. And I hate to say it. We say this every time, Amy, that every bit of our approach needs to be customized because if yeah. it's not customized, it's too expensive and too timely to go across the broad base with something. And think about one skill or capability that the entire population has to know. Like, is there one? I'd be curious in the chat. Like, if I go to Curly's, one thing that the entire organization has to know, what would that one thing be? I mean, I think they then they get really broad, like resilience, right? But they're kind of more value-based rather than skill-based. Communication, people are saying communication. That's really, really true. And I like, Eleanor has some great comments in here. She also noticed you should know that she loves your hair today. So oh, yeah. Eleanor loves your hair. She mentioned that it scrolled up. I didn't want you to miss it. Oh, good. I didn't see it. Thanks, Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do think, you know, our Heidi said, are we giving time? Are we, I do think there's some of that, but there's also just the employee needs to want it. It makes me feel like sometimes I sign up for networking activities because I know I should go to networking activities. Yeah. And then the day of, I think, do I really want to get my car and drive to that activity? <laughs> so it's, it's definitely a two-way relationship. I will say this though, I, every time I sign up and then I don't want to go and I end up going, I'm really grateful that I went. Totally. It's very Absolutely. rarely, right? It's so interesting. So interesting. I love this chat here. So continue to chime in. It seems like overall, like you said, Amy, everybody says communication tools or communication skills could be the one thing. And I agree with that. Post-pandemic, um, I was I was at Disneyland and I was talking um, to one of the Disney employees last weekend. And she's an ex, she wants to be an internal comms person. And I said to her that I think internal comms is the must-have role post-pandemic. Every organization needs to have somebody that spends a portion or all of their time on internal communications. And then the other great one is customer service, because that can apply inside or outside. 
And then great comments here around, it depends on the quality of leadership. Even if as an employee, I would be proactive with my development. If the manager is not receptive, then it becomes dead-ended. So it depends on the culture. For sure. And if you say, hey, I want to go take advantage of this, your manager doesn't give you the time because there's been some time comments in there. You know, it's it's more than just the programs. It's allowing people the time to go learn it in is. the way that's best for them, whether it's programmatic or it's, it's something online. Um, I think allowing that time is super important. It is. And, and and the last comment here to me that really wraps this up is I feel like many employees take cues from leadership. If leaders are involved, then they may be more involved as team members, but yeah. a leadership buy-in must, must be uh, must have. And I agree with that. Like if we as leaders are pushing ourselves to learn and bringing that back, that's something we do on our team. Like if you're going to go to you know a networking event or you're going to go to a conference, you need to come back and share what you learned with the entire team so that we all get to benefit from it. Um, and that way we show as leaders that we're prioritizing our own learning as well as the team's learning. For sure. We do a book club, as you know, on my team, and we have people across marketing. We've got, you know, 80 people in marketing across marketing that participate together, but all of the leaders participate and we read a book together nominated from the group. And so there's this sort of, you get to discuss it with others. The leaders are participating. Um, It's really fun. That's and that's a book club. I love I've done book clubs many times. It's a great way to learn about people to connect with people and to learn those cross those cross departmental skills that are so important. And, um, you know, there's a great question in here from Cole, and he says, what's your uh, advice on getting employees to participate in employee engagement surveys so that you can hear their needs? And I don't know about you, Amy, this is something I can always do better, but the best way I found is to ask what their needs are and then respond with what you're going to do or not do about it. Because if you just survey them and then they see no action, then they'll feel like, why am I giving input? And so it's really important that when you solicit it, you go back and say, this is what we learned. This is what we're doing. This is what we're not doing. What do you think about that? That's exactly right. And I think it's okay to say, this is what we're not doing. I mean, I think that's important that you outlined. It's not a wish list for Santa that you, you know, they get to ask anything and you have to do whatever they want. You obviously have to consider what's right for the team and the business. But I think that communication back, I think the minute you stop communicating back, you lose the impact. And then people won't participate because they they don't feel heard. It's so true. And so it's it's interesting too. I'd be curious in the chat, and we've got some statistics here too. You know, what do we think about it um, generationally, right? Do you see differences of opinion on this um, for different generations around the topic? Does one generation value growth opportunities more than another? What do you think, Amy? And then I'll share the statistics. Okay, so I'm not going to look at the statistics because I've got them in my notes, but I don't remember them. I <laughs> I love learning and development, but I think that probably younger generations than me or earlier in career are looking for development more than maybe people that are longer in career. But now I, I haven't looked at the I haven't looked, I'm putting not looking at my notes to so that I don't cheat on the answer. So what's the real answer? The real answer is that you are correct. So I've green buzzer. She's the winner. winner. 87% of millennials believe learning and development in the workplace is important. So we saw this in the chat as well, that it's definitely early career. 76% of millennials say professional development opportunities are one of the most important aspects of company culture. And then Gen Z rates the opportunity for career development as the most important 
attribute of work. So I, I'm thinking about the work you and I are doing together. And this is just, you know, signal to the awesome partnership that marketing and HR must have is you can do all this great work, which I'm really great at doing the work. I'm really bad about communicating the work. And that's where having a partner like Amy is so amazing for me to help think about, okay, if this is the most important thing for our early career team members, how do we communicate? Like we have great statistics on this at Bamboo. How many people have grown and started their career and moved through growth path at Bamboo? And we have to share those stories because if people don't see it, then they don't believe it. That's, that's absolutely true. It's also good to think about as, as someone who's, I'm not going to say later in career, but longer in career. Not later, <laughs> um, not there, early career. Early career, yeah. Um, you know, if it's something that's not important to me and actually generations aside, if it's not important to you as a leader, I think it's really important to understand it is important to your team. Yeah. And so just because it's not one of your personal love languages that you really need at work, um, and for me, I love to learn, but I, I could see just saying, hey, this isn't, this isn't important, but just like, you know, you were talking about um, employees and showcasing when they have growth at Bamboo or whatever, you know, folks, company folks are at, one thing I've found is the most successful people going through the organization don't expect it to be handed to them. I have people in my org that from day one, three years ago, when I got here, call me and say, Hey, I know I'm in this department. I'm super excited about this department. And we figured out ways to give them side projects and try something. And they were engaged and then they moved. And rather than just saying, I demand a change or I demand growth. And that employee participation, which is what you said about learning earlier, is so important. It is. It is so important because, you know, people have to feel that they can progress. And I think if they feel like they're stagnant, then that's like, I, I think it's a human, like we always, like, if you look at the evolution of humans, right, we're always progressing. And so now that we've just gone from the caveman era into the knowledge worker era, I don't think that's changed, right? The need, like uh, the, the nature element of how our organism is built requires progression. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not true. That's just the way it, what you're saying kind of lands for me. No, I think, I think that's exactly right. And I love it when my team jumps into that. I mean, I think we all want to progress and it's a matter of understanding how do we vocalize that and what's the kind of learning that we want to do? Is it a training? Is it a coaching one-on-one? You know, people, different people do things different ways. And so I think it's really important to know. Um, so we're going to move into talking about retention a little bit, but we have a poll. Yeah. So let's check in. And I love how participatory everyone is. Let's see uh, who has a clear strategy or plan for career growth in the organization. Yeah, I love this question. I'm really curious how it comes. What I love is that they don't let us participate, so I don't get to vote. (laughs) What would you say, Amy? Do you think we have a clear plan for career growth at Bamboo? I feel like I can do better in marketing. I think there's all sorts of good stuff happening across the company, but this is something that I have as as a personal focus area for um for marketing for for me to do better in next year. Yeah, I agree. I agree here with you that I feel like I can be better at it. I've actually been repurposing my all hands meetings to focus on one of those core skills across the team and bringing in you're next on my list by the way. I'm bringing okay. in leaders in the organization to come and teach the HR team on something. So, you know, we had we had one of our co-founders Ryan Sanders come in and talk about how do you identify a problem? 
Because for us as HR people, we always want to solve and we want to make people feel good and provide value right away. So it's like we we rarely dive, define what is the problem. We just go in solution mode. So we had him say, what's the framework for defining a problem? And how do we engage in that first before we put in a solution? Oh, that's cool. Those types He's of really like, good at that. He is. That's one of his. I'm trying to bring people's superpower strengths in and teach on their superpower strengths across things that benefit the whole team. But this is something we can work on. And it sounds like, Amy, you and I aren't alone here, right? It looks like everybody. Uh, I, I think I would have voted somewhat, for my, at least for myself, because I think I've got growth in this area for me to, to learn to do as a leader. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it looks like people are working on it. Um, uh, under 20%, yes. Um, and then, and then 30% no. So yeah. anything you want to add on that? What have you seen kind of, we talked earlier about, you know, is anyone doing this perfectly? I would say, no, I think you did, but what do you, what do you think about these results? Yeah, I think it's interesting. So if we look back at the broader data, 70% of employees say they'd be somewhat likely to leave if they knew that an organization was going to invest more in development or training than where they were currently at. So, and I think we've seen this in the great resignation, right? We've seen companies say, oh, we have better growth opportunities here, but the way it shows up as, is I'm getting a bigger job. So sometimes I think we conflate growth with promotion, right? Cause like I've been in the same job you know, for, um, you know, early career for five years. No, I'm just kidding. Multiples of that. And I've been in the same job title, but my, my role and the way I look at my role has, has completely evolved every single quarter um, because of, of what the business and the environment needs. So Absolutely. I think you can look at growth and promotion and we've got to be clear to decouple those, you know, because 34% of employees who left their previous job were motivated because they had more career growth opportunities. So somebody's selling something out there. Yet what I think is interesting is that no one can say this is who's doing it really, really well. No, um, I, I think curious. that's I think that's right. And I, you know, with retention, it's such an important thing. And you've, you've shared some good stats, but I think too often career growth is seen as a title change. Yeah. You know, and it's, I got, I, I get career growth in my new company and I'm leaving because I get a title change. And, and I, and I'm in full agreement with you that career growth can be a title change, can be a promotion. Those are certainly ways to grow. Um, but they also can be learning and role or changes in scope or, new opportunities to try new things. Um, I think all of those, you know, all of those should, should count, I would hope. I think they should count too. And I think it goes back to the first skill that we outlined, which is communication. If we're not communicating that those are valuable, then what do we do with that? So we have to kind of be able to say, okay, you can grow yourself, which is kind of up to you. And you can grow yourself on a way that it grows you to a path to being a stronger individual contributor or a stronger leader of others. And yeah. then in that place, then you can be eligible for promotion if you've outlined promotion paths, which is something that always needs a lot of work. You know, that's something I've got on our docket for 2023 is we've kind of done promotions, but we haven't really talked about what do we want to leverage promotions for, right? I have a bunch sitting in queue, I know from you and other, other of our colleagues across the team. And I'm like, are promotions a result of a business need or are they a reward and recognition uh, like authority. Yeah. Right. And just, I think, just to prove all mine. Yeah. No, approved. Yeah. Approved. 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 Yeah. It's all approved. Excellent. 
But yeah, thinking about that as a, as a lever to pull and, and how, what does that really mean in the organization? Yeah. Um, the other thing there I've heard about with promotions, and I think this is interesting on career growth is, do you expect someone to do the job and then get promoted? Or do you expect them to get promoted and then do the job? And I've been in organizations that feel both ways. Yeah. And the thing is, there's no wrong answer in this. Where it gets really hairy is where you don't define it. And so that's why I know people are like, Anita, what are we doing on promotions? I'm like, well, I don't, I think we've done it both ways. We've promoted people that are just getting to the table and we're promoting people that have been sitting at the table. And so let's just be consistent on one side or the other. Let's be clear, you know, here in the chat, it says, I think many people think of them as a reward, then that should be part of reward of recognition. But I think it's interesting because if you promote too much, you're increasing that overall expense profile, you should be able, if you have more qualified people, if I put my like FP&A hat on, financial planning and analysis hat on, technically I should be able to get more out of those humans, right? So does that mean I get to hire less or am I able to get more work done? Like, how am I able to think about those kind of business model justifications, the unit economics of, do I have you know, a bunch of leaders, but not a bunch of doers? Do I have too many doers and not enough leaders? Um, you know, all, all interesting things to consider in this. Yeah, for sure. And as you think about the career growth, we've talked about it a bunch of ways, but I'd love to hear what you think about um, e-learning versus not e-learning where, you know, how do you create a learning culture and how do these different types of learnings help with retention and creating that culture? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'm going to go back um, to the Oreo. If you're new to the show, I'll take a second and explain our overall Oreo here. So because we love Oreos. Um, so, you know, one side of the cookie is mission, vision, values, and strategy. And so we all agree that if you're a learning organization, it needs to be mapped out in mission, vision, values, or strategy. So, you know, I think especially in this day and age, if you're not a learning organization, you will become obsolete. Like you have to have learners as part of your organization. It's just not that innovation is revered by the product and technology people or by R&D. I think everybody has to have some level of learning in their role. And then the, the cream filling is how is how you do it. And the other side of the cookie is performance in the organization. So what we do over, you know, what we do has to generate performance in the organization and has to tie back to our mission, vision, and values. So I think whether, you know, it's just like anything else we look at. Some people learn really well through e-learning. Like if I look at the frameworks and, and um, uh, languages and frameworks for developers, those are changing every 12 to 24 months. So the best way for product and end usually is through e-learning, but it also could be like coding together and through coding on a screen together. And so there's different ways to do it. And I think you need a combination of all depending on what you're needing to learn. So I, I, I like all formats. I like in-person. I like e-learning. I like pair-to-pair pair -pair development. I like all of those things. And I think you have to look at what your, what your population needs to define that. That's great. And there's a great question here from Julie. How are we ensuring that people that don't look like those currently in power get promoted? How do you think about that in terms of, of you know, D, E, and I and, and those sorts of issues with promotions? Yeah, this is such a great question. And this is why I think the philosophy on promotion is something that we really could spend a whole episode on. You know, you have to really think about 
what is promotion used for? Is it for business need or is it for reward and recognition? Again, both right answers, but decide on which pillar you're doing. And then from there, build some principles around what it looks like to get promoted. Do you have a framework for what it looks like to go from an individual contributor to a leader? So you know what skills and capabilities are required. And can that person consistently demonstrate those skills and capabilities to go from one side to the other? Does this person, you know, treat feedback as something that enables them to go learn and become better at their role, right? So they're constantly learning through the avenue of feedback. Are they doing that consistently? Are you leveraging a survey tool to say, hey, are they delivering on the results and delivering on, on, on their culture by using the values to deliver results? right? Because we all know the example of the high-performing asshole, right? Where they're really, really high-performing, but everybody hates working with them. And then we all know the example of the great values demonstration that gets nothing done, right? So we want a combination of a high-results-oriented individual that leverages the use of our values as a gate and how they get the work completed. I mean, that, that would be my ideal dream state. But I think part of this art that you're speaking to in this question is making sure you define that. And that way, not everybody looks the same and it becomes very objective. And it's not like, I feel like this person is doing a great job. You know, and really that comes through strong business partnership. Amy, again, is a great partner to me in this. When we work through different opportunities on your team, Amy, it's like, how do you see this person relative to the work? How do you see this person relative to what was outlined in the roles and responsibilities? Would you enthusiastically rehire this person into this role today? And do you see them scaling at the pace of the business to go forward? Like a lot of these become evident through the questions and then making sure you're asking those questions consistently across all leaders so you get into a, a model and framework for it. I love that. Now we're about to bring up a question for the group, but before we do, can you repeat the Oreo again real quick? There's some people that it's their first time and I'm, I'm, I also love hearing about Oreos. So this is perfect. Oreos. It's an all-time snack. You can eat anytime, right? It goes with every time. So yes, uh, the first side of the Oreo is mission, vision, and values. The other side of the Oreo is performance in the business. The middle is how we do it as an HR team. So I always share with my team, do you do not ship anything that doesn't align with mission, vision, values, and doesn't generate performance in the business as an outcome? And the big example of this is organizations that have exceptional culture and don't perform, or organizations that have really crappy culture and high performance, because you have those two. So it's just a matter of who you want to be. If you care about culture, whether you define it or not, it's happening and it's generating some level of performance in the business. And when you tie those two together, that's when everything really adds up and runs as a well-oiled machine. I love that. That's so great. Thanks for repeating that. Yeah. So we've got a question for the group we're going to put up and we'd love to hear your answers in the chat. Have career growth opportunities impacted retention at your business? We've been talking about this, but I'd love to hear a little bit more from folks. Yeah, let's make the business case on this one, right? Yeah, no kidding. So funny that just this morning, I got some feedback from my team about what they'd like to see next year, which is perfect timing. Yeah, it is. And so did they say specifically, Amy, what, um, you know, what they wanted in career growth? Like you said, they wanted this in a focus. Was there a, a more detailed theme? There, there is career pathing, which you and I have talked a little bit about, um, which is always hard in marketing because marketers tend to move between kind of different groups. And so it's a little bit like if you want to stay in product marketing or stay in demand gen, it's a little bit easier. 
So, so that's uh, something for us to think about for next year. Um, uh, manager training, um, and then also influencer training. You know, how do we influence across a, an organization that's gotten a lot bigger, um, which is something I've started to build um, and need to finish for 2023. Oh, I'd love to help you with that. You know, awesome. that's, that's a big thing because um, especially as your organization grows, especially even if your organization hasn't grown, but it's highly remote or international, Right. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to influence across geos and time zones, regardless of size, which is also a skill and capability that we all can use. I'm curious what Absolutely. else is kind of quiet in the chat. What else do you see? Oh, good. We're getting getting some more here. How have career yeah. opportunities impacted retention? We've seen here a lack of career growth opportunities has led to high turnover. So you're saying that not having it turns to, to letting people go. Um, we've had individuals turn down opportunities with other organizations because they had a clear path here. That's awesome. That's, That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. We'd love to learn more, Dee, from you and how you've done that. Some, some may say that they want to grow their career and we'll work with employees on goals and create development plans. And later it just turns out that they want higher pay. I think this is a really interesting one, right? Because if you, if you create growth opportunities, but they can't get higher pay, and they can't get promoted, then they're going to leave, right? So this is why this is such a touchy subject because you can grow and develop them, but if they don't have a compensation growth path, then they will look for another job. And right. then if you do promotion based on business need, you may have more qualified candidates than you do open roles, especially if they're going, you know, um, if they're becoming more senior individual contributors or more senior people leaders, there's only so many seats. So then you have to be prepared for them to leave your organization. Absolutely. And someone mentioned sales in particular, and I, I know you and I have seen this at different companies, that that particularly can be hard for, for sales teams as, as they look to grow to sales managers and, and directors. It's just only so many of those seats. Yeah. So one thing you can do in that, if you don't have a vertical way of growth, one way you can do it is you can do in-role promotions. So this goes back to our, um, we've had many compensation discussions at HR Unplugged. And so that's really why you wanna have a range inside the role. So if we go back to our most impactful role post-pandemic is internal communications, you'd have a range. The middle of the range signals that that person is fully proficient in the role, but then you have ideally like 15 to 20 points of upside before it would create a promotion into a new role where you can continue to grow their compensation over time. And that's really something I'd encourage you all to bring in because if your growth has slowed or you don't have as many available open positions, you may consider in-role promotions to continue to incentivize the growth that they have in their skill set while driving value to the business and also seeing that upside without losing them to another organization. That's awesome. So we've talked a lot about why it's important. It's so great to get the group's feedback. I love this. I'd love to kind of get into for the for the last third of the conversation, what are the action steps? Like, what are your tips and best practices that people can walk away as they want to think about, you know, how do they go build this or build this better um, uh, for the for their teams? Yeah, it's a great question. So the first thing is 
is learning tied into mission, vision, values, and strategy? So where does learning show up in one of those four pillars? And make sure that it's clearly articulated there um, and that your whole leadership team believes that you should prioritize learning and development. Again, no we're in a no judgment zone here at HR Unplugged. So if your leadership team is like, I don't want to prioritize learning and development, that's cool. You just have to win on a different pillar. And that's fine. That's possible. But if you do believe it's important, make sure it's clearly articulated. And it's really a good time right now as you're going through organization planning and you're looking at 2023, maybe that's something that you want to work in. And maybe you focus it on like professional certifications, right? You know, maybe you're working in the trades and you want to pay for the driver's professional certification if you have a fleet of drivers. Or maybe you want to give out a tool budget to people in the trade so that they don't have to buy their own tools before they come to work for you. Maybe it is a subscription to an online learning service if they're technologists, right? So that they can learn the new language framework or tool to be a developer that's relevant, um, you know, for whatever product that you're building. So maybe that's how you build it into your, to your strategy framework. And then you have to say, okay, what performance do we want to drive in the business, right? Like I, I love um, the example of fintech for this, Amy. So if you look at like fintech and you look at a Stripe versus a traditional finance organization, right? Stripe has completely disrupted fintech from how they've gone to market in the use of their technology. And the rest of the banks are on their heels because they're like, oh my gosh, we're now a technology company and I, American Express or Visa or Pick Your Poison has to actually become a technology organization by offering, you know, online banking and on your phone banking. I want to be able to see my accounts. I want to be able to transfer money. I want to be able to do all of those things. And so that's where it ties back to your strategy, right? If you're losing or you're looking to win in a segment or create a category, learning might be your ticket to do that. So I'm in the Oreo, right? I'm seeing I'm getting beat by my customer base, or I'm seeing the opportunity to create a category. I'm going to create that back in my vision, mission, strategy, that learning is important for that category creation. And then the stuffing is how I'm going to go after doing that. Is it through technology? Is it through communication? Is it through influence? You know, what is the big skill set that we want to boost? And then manage and measure that throughout the year to show that you're making progress. So that's like the high level framework that you can use through the Oreo to make sure that you're focused and getting the right outcomes when you implement this. I love that. And, and how do you think about role specific? Because you know, I have, like on my team, I have creatives that want totally different training than, you know, folks that want to be super data driven. They want to understand Tableau, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so part of that, like if you think about your creative brand roles, maybe it's the vision that you have for your organization. Like I know, you know, you've talked about using certain things that we've had in Bamboo Brand of Past, and you want to take to Bamboo Brand of the Future. And so what are the courses or skills that your creative team would need to develop to be able to have Bamboo Brand of the Future? right? And how does that set into the overall vision that we have for Bamboo, the organization? So if they go and build these skills to get to Bamboo brand of the future and how it drives our, you know, we have a vision for 2025, how that drives that forward. And then you could say, you know, part of that is accurate reporting and data and analytics on how our brand is performing in the market. And that's where maybe somebody wants to go learn Tableau or some other data or analytical tool so that you can report back on all of that. So that's where you, you answer the question, Amy, so beautifully here, that leader-led development is so important. And tying it back, you know, we see great uptick in engagement when people know how their role contributes to the vision. 
And so you're able to tie that back to the vision every time in those one-on-ones where you're saying, if you learn this, this impacts the vision this way, and it makes a difference to our customer out here and to our strategy. If you're able to develop dashboards on how our brand is performing, you know, we've tried a lot of really cool things this year. We've done billboard campaigns, we've upped our social campaigns, and we have a lot of data and analytics on how those are performing for us, which we couldn't do without the brand builder and we couldn't do without the Tableau builder. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Everyone just got to see my one-on-one. See, she's helping me out here. I love it. It's so fun. Um, I'd love to hear some next steps or for folks on tra- kind of types of training. And I know you've got some interesting data there. And then um, let's move into kind of what can people do today if they don't have budgets? And I mean, this is there's a lot of headwinds right now, as that seems to be the word we're all using. And so how do you, you know, how do you think about how can people think about that as something that they can do without maybe going out and giving everyone two thousand dollars to go to a training, which you know is probably not realistic for anyone. Yeah, no, it's it's such a good point. So the first thing is like in, when you prioritize it, you, we know that it will help with performance, engagement, and job satisfaction. So we know that leadership training increases participants' capacity for learning by 25% and their performance by 20%. We know that employees who have access to professional development are 15% more engaged. So like we know the business case is there. Find the business case that works for you and your business, right? Because like as we've talked about on HR Unplugged before, you can find data to prove anything to be true, right? So leverage data that works for your own business case and make sure it's accurate and something you can really get behind as you're looking at building this out. So I think I think that's one thing. And to your point, which I really love, especially right now, Amy, as we're looking at, you know, getting the wind at our back when instead of it being at our heads, um, I think there's great ways to create learning and development that are time time costly, not dollar costly. And it's the first example I gave where take another executive that has a superpower in one area and bring them on your team to learn, right? Create an opportunity where somebody says, hey, I've always wanted to learn about brand, but I don't know if I'd be qualified or I don't know what it takes to do that. Have them set up a one-on-one learning interview with somebody on your team and make that a part of your culture, right? If we have somebody that's curious about X, Y, or Z on the marketing team or the HR team, come and meet with that person and do an informational interview to see if that fits into their career path or have them job shadow for a bit. Again, the cost is time, but I think it's really worthwhile and you can build in a program that's that's super great. The other thing, you know, we've done in other past organizations is mentoring programs, right? Amy, you could take on three or four mentees. I could take on three or four mentees and we could talk about whatever it is that they want to talk about to grow in their career. You could have every leader at your organization be willing to dedicate, you know, 30 minutes or an hour a month to team members that want to learn from you and your experience. Um, high impact, high value, high connection, high engagement, and your your cost is time. Yeah, and my mentors in my career have meant the world to me. And I love right. mentoring. And I do think, I think most leaders want to do it. So if you're asking you. them, I mean, there's going to be people that, that that's not their cup of tea, but I do think for most of us, um, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity as a mentor as much as it is in a mentee, you know, um, and I've, I'm so grateful for the folks who've mentored me uh, over the years. I know we just have a few more minutes, so I'm going to just ask you before we wrap up, if you have any final thoughts to share with the 150 folks that have joined us today as they think about career growth opportunities 
that they're offering their employees. You know, I, I, I love what you just said, Amy, is like, you are super grateful for the people that have mentored you. I am super grateful for the people that have mentored me. I wouldn't be sitting here today doing what I'm doing if people, you know, didn't believe in me and specifically didn't believe in me more than I believe in myself at the time. So I want to ask all of you that same question. And who are you investing in? Who are you giving an opportunity to do more and challenging to grow, right? Amy and I do this on our teams and we say, hey, we're going to let this person lead this meeting, even though they're totally over their skis, but it's the best way that they learn because really there's nothing we can't fix, right? There's no mistake that's really going to hurt the business, you know, in most situations that much. So give them the opportunity instead of leading the meeting yourself or giving the recommendation yourself or sending the email to the CEO yourself. Think about who would really relish in this opportunity, who would want to come in and present to the executive team, who would want to send our CEO an email. Yeah, I, it brings to mind, gosh, 10 years ago, uh, a mentor, and he was my my boss at the time, saying to me at the end of a fiscal, yeah, I didn't know how that was going to go because you'd never done that before. And you were totally over your skis, but it all worked out. <laughs> and at the time, I, I don't think I'd realized how over my skis I was. Um, but it was, I so appreciated that he kind of acknowledged that, but also let me try you know, and there was good and bad in how it turned out, but that I, I had the opportunity to learn from it. So unless you're a brain surgeon, <laughs> that is true. I, I mean, I don't know if Gray's anatomy is accurate or not, but still even on Gray's anatomy, there was the first time for brain surgery for all surgeons. That's right? true. Point, you have to do it for the first time by yourself, right? On Gray's anatomy, they say, learn one, teach one. But I, I am happy that when I get over my skis, it's just on billboards or marketing and not on brain surgery. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Me too. Me too. I'm definitely grateful for that. Well, we're so, we're so, we're so grateful. Um, Amy, grateful to learn from you and have this discussion. Thank you to everyone in the chat. Always a great conversation. Let's see, let's wrap this up, Amy. What are our key takeaways today? Our key takeaways are always use the Oreo, right? Make sure anything you do ties to mission, vision, values, and strategy. Um, let's make sure that whatever we do drives business performance so that if we're going to do learning, we want to make sure that it ties around that whole Oreo. We want to make sure that we're tying into our promotion and our compensation paths effectively as we put learning out into the organization. You know, thinking about those second and third order consequences as we ship these programs, we have to think about the next question that's asked. And those are usually the next questions that are asked. And just be open that there's a lot of things that you can do where the cost is your time and don't discount them because I know that's been my best learning ever. I get way more out of the experience myself than than taking a class in a lot of cases. It's, It's just a matter of getting out there and giving it a go. Get to version one and learn and iterate and get to version two quickly. What about you, Amy? No, I think that's exactly right. I hadn't thought about before the promotion how do you look at a promotion? I'll admit, I tend to think of it as a reward for having done that role a little bit and stepping up into that role. And, but I hadn't thought about the fact that there are more than, there's more than one right answer. So that was a really good learning for, a really good learning for me. I also want to go out and make sure everyone has mentors. That's definitely something I'm taking away. I do too. So if you're looking for a mentor, my first big piece of advice about this is know what you want to be mentored on. I don't know about you, Amy. I get a lot of people that say, I want you to mentor me. And I say, great, what do you want to learn? And they're like, I don't know. I just heard I needed a mentor. So be really specific. 
specific about what it is you want to learn, because just like hiring, then you can go find a mentor that can help you with that area. So be really specific about what you want to learn. And then I know anytime I want to learn something, I just start asking everybody I talk to about it. I ask parents at soccer practice. I ask people that come by for trick-or-treating. Do you know about this? Do you know about this? And, and just in that place, when you have it front and center, automatically you're going to have an opportunity to learn. Yeah, because different people can mentor you in different things. I mean, I've been mentored in you know, all sorts of things and from all sorts of people. And so knowing what you want, that's great. I love that one. It's great true. Time. Like I made Amy's roasted tomatoes this weekend and I would have never roasted tomatoes if Amy didn't teach me how to roast tomatoes. So it was, it was fantastic. Again, winner, winner. I'm so glad they were good. I'm so glad they were good. Well, thank you, Amy, for joining us. And you all are our heroes. You're doing great work out there every day. So keep going out there, keep getting after it. And we're super grateful for all of you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambu HR. Visit us at bambuhr.com slash HR unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambu HR sets people free to do great work.